Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we introduce our new season's theme, Resilience. And I, along with the guest co-host, will share how we remain resilient amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to inspire our listeners to continue to break through. Welcome to the show. I am so delighted on today's episode to have Jennifer Lupo. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tamale. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Jennifer Lupo is the managing member of Lupo Law Arbitration and Mediation PLLC with offices in Manhattan and Rhinebeck, New York. Ms. Lupo has more than 25 years as a dispute resolution professional. Her unique perspective comes from having sat in every seat at the dispute resolution table as client, advocate, and neutral in both mediations and arbitrations. Jennifer is a member of the National Commercial, Employment, and Consumer Arbitration and Mediation Panels of the American Bar Association, the National Commercial and Employment Arbitration and Mediation Panels of CPR, and she's a FINRA arbitrator. Ms. Lupo is a neutral with a vast array of experience, having mediated or arbitrated hundreds of cases in the areas of business divorce, complex commercial, employment, entertainment, financial institutions and investments, insurance, intellectual property, labor, municipal liability, civil rights, shareholder member disputes, telecommunications, information technology, and high net worth divorce. Miss Lupo, I'm going to call you Jennifer. You have done everything under the sun when it comes to neutral work. Wow. Wow. It's wonderful to have you here today. And I'm just really looking forward to our conversation uh, where we're going to focus on this theme of resilience as it relates to conflict and how you or your company or your industry navigated the last 18 months. The goal is to encourage and inspire our listeners to continue to break through. Now, you and I have a rapport with each other. We've known each other for quite some time. And what I love is our listeners will, will kind of fill us so they're eavesdropping on a private conversation between two friends. And I knew about you before I actually met you because anytime I told someone that I was a lawyer and a mediator, the first question was, do you know Jennifer Lupo? And so <laughs> your, your reputation preceded you and you were everything that I thought you were going to be when I met you, brilliant so much skill and experience as a mediator, and then just a great advocate for women, for people of color, and also for using ADR in various settings. And so it's just really an honor to have you on our podcast today. Thanks for having me, Tamale. That is a lovely, lovely thing to say. Um, I really enjoy um, being a neutral, and I uh, I enjoy the opportunity to help folks come to their own conclusion about how they want to resolve their matter, because ultimately that's what, it's their matter. And they need to be able to take ownership of it and be able to live with the solution that they craft. I love hearing that because I think sometimes people think that mediators kind of make decisions for them. Um, and sometimes they just want the arbitrator just tell them what to do. But what you're saying is that you focus on restoring their sense of agency and really honoring their self-determination and empowering them to kind of think about what's going to be next for them. So what do you want people to know about you, Jennifer? 
Can you describe yourself in six words? Okay, so six words. I would say mediator, arbitrator, mother, friend, professor, and fixer. Ooh, I like that. So from mediator, arbitrator, professor, mother, fixer, and friend, that really tells us a lot about you. Um, I love to know, how did you sort of enter this field? How did you get here? Ah, how did I get into ADR? So in the very first law firm that I worked in, when I was right out of law school, uh, we did a lot of litigation. Um, we did a lot of insurance litigation and insurance carriers were very keen on using mediation. So from the very beginning, I was at mediation days at these various insurance carriers and I was learning how to mediate um, as an advocate on behalf of my client, the insured. And then ultimately I moved on uh, to go in-house and I worked for some tech companies. And when I had the opportunity to um, take, take a good look at some of the commercial contracts that the company had, I started to look at the dispute resolution and I thought to myself, well, I know what it costs to litigate and I think that there's a better way to do this. So I, I started to rewrite our internal um, contracts to include mediation and then arbitration. When it's your contract or your client's contract, you can do that. But oftentimes I would find myself um, into um, a, somebody else's contract and there would be litigation. Um, so I found myself in what's called the commercial division of the Supreme Court in New York County, oftentimes um, with cases that were pending. And I would appear in front of a particular judge quite often. And I tended to have the scoundrel defendant. And I would always come with some sort of solution. The judge would not necessarily take my solution, but um, sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. And ultimately, when there was a call to expand that panel of mediators um, back in 2005, uh, the judge ring me and said, hey, um, there's this opportunity where um, asked to identify some attorneys that have um, come through our parts that might be good mediators for the panel. And I think you would. So um, I did my, my first 48 hours of training in 2005. I continue to train till this day, um, having done my last training in April of 2021. And um, I have consistently mediated since then. I love hearing this story. You were doing your job as an advocate, as an attorney, it sounds like. And that yeah. a judge saw, you know, this something in you uh, and recommended you for this program. And that was kind of, you know, all she wrote. That, that was it really, it is. Cause when I, when I share that with young, with newer ADR practitioners who say, you know, how am I going to, how, how do I get established? How do I get to be you? Um, I said, well, first you get, you, you don't get to be me because there's only room for me to be me. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to kind of forge your own path. And I said, I, you know, I have a unique situation. I became a mediator um, I was still litigating at that time. I litigated until 14, but I didn't, you know, the one thing that I did do was that I found a way to balance the two. I found a way to never say no when a case would come to me from the panel. And that opened up opportunity to put myself in front of other attorneys as a, as a neutral, not as, you know, opposing counsel. And from there, my practice as an ADR professional grew. Um, and I got to a point in 12 where I thought to myself, 
I think I'm, I'm, I'm tipping, but I'm not quite sure because I wasn't <laughs> keeping enough statistics in my ADR practice. So I paid attention in 12 and 13. I recognized that I did start to tip and I said, I'm going to make it, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to litigate any further after 2014. So I walked out of the courthouse in September of 2014, and I never walked back in as a litigator. I have walked back in as a mediator, um, but I've never walked in as a, a litigator since then. And just about the same time in 12, um, as I saw that I was enjoying mediation, I was approached by um, Jeff Zeno at um, AAA uh, to consider um, becoming an arbitrator. And that was something I had never thought of. And, you know, people over the years have said, hey, you should be a judge. I'm like, why? You know, <laughs> why? Why would I do this to myself? And I, I thought about it and I did I did a training. I said, let me see what it, what it, it has to offer. And I did that training and then I, I did some I did small claims arbitration right on the heels of that training. And I said, OK, if you can handle small claims where, you know, folks are not um, are, are not aware of the evidentiary evidentiary rules, um, not that you have all of the evidentiary rules at your disposal in arbitration. Um, nonetheless, like if you can handle this, maybe you should consider arbitration. So then I, you know, moved into arbitration and the rest is history. <laughs> wow. And so for people who are tuning in who may not know the difference between mediation and arbitration, uh, what's your kind of quick definition or distinguish, right. you know, distinguishing okay. point between the two? OK, so arbitrators um, will make the decision. Right. So parties bring uh, it, you either agree to arbitrate once the dispute arises or there's a contractual basis that requires arbitration versus litigation, meaning going to court. So um, if you have a contractual or your agreement to arbitrate, you're asking a third party neutral who is a private judge and arbitrator to make the decisions for you. In mediation, you're hiring a neutral to help you um, come to a conversation right? Come to the table and have a conversation about hard issues that have caused a dispute between you and someone else. And that neutral is there to help both sides see the best and worst of their positions, find the issues and interests that are very important to them, and then come to a resolution um, based on those interests that they have. What the distinction between the mediation and arbitration is, is that in, in mediation, you can come up with a whole host of, of, of resolutions that are not available to you in arbitration or in litigation. And I, I really love the creativity that I see of people when they're in the mediation room and say, you know, this is an interest that I have, and I really would like to see if I can get X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, let's ask, let's see. And I love that. I agree with you. I do think that there is some uh, benefit to mediation um, uh, and generating and brainstorming ideas and being really creative and problem solving and joint problem solving. And thank you for providing that distinction because, you know, I feel like sometimes uh, things like, like mediation, arbitration, people are always wondering, well, what is that? I want to just take people to court, you know, because litigation is so popularized and TV and, you know, wanting to sue is something that people tend to 
used as a threat often. But I really love hearing you say that this judge introduced the concept of mediation to you and now an opportunity for you to explore arbitration, that you took some courses, you trained, um, you learned about arbitration, small claims arbitration. And I heard you say earlier too, that you continue to learn to this day. I also loved hearing you say that basically in 2012, when you started, you know, 2005, I think you said actually. I was when I started mediating and 12 was when I was like, what, I got to pay attention to what's going on over here because I'm not, I'm like, there's money coming in, but I'm not, yeah, like, I'm not quite sure. So I had to start running two sets of books just to understand what was happening um, (laughs) to see if, if, if I was tipping. And that's when I started to see, yes, I was starting to tip. And I said, okay, um, this is this is real. Um, let me see what I can do with it because I enjoyed it so much. And then in September 2014, you walked out of the courtroom as a litigator and you only returned as a neutral <laughs> after that. And so, I mean, wow. So all of that happened before what the world now knows to be coronavirus, like the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, I'm assuming that there are always ups and downs happening in the world, but over the past 18 months, um, I'm assuming that you saw some challenges. And I'd love to know what your single biggest challenge was in sort of running your business or working in your industry, what the single biggest challenge was for you throughout the pandemic. I think the single biggest challenge is, I mean, as a mediator, um, even to a lesser extent as an arbitrator, is that a lot of what we do um, is we derive our energy from being in a group setting, right? Um, and, you know, in the room, in a mediation with all of the parties, their counsel, in separate caucuses, um, in the arbitration hearing room, there's an energy that comes from being in that communal setting. That energy is not easily replicated um, using any number of the digital platforms. And uh, that was a very challenging um, aspect of continuing mediating and arbitrating for me during the the pandemic. And how have you sort of, I mean, it seems like this new hybrid, at least, of some sessions being in person and some being, you know, um, remote or continued remote arbitrations mediations will continue to occur. And so how are you, how do you navigate that challenge today? So one of the things that I did, so when the pandemic hit, I had, you know, lots of work booked for like immediately, like right when it was hitting and it was crickets, right? And no one, no, no one was responding, you know, dates would come. I would, you know, I'd say like, let's adjourn, let's do this, let's do that. I could, I didn't hear any, any response. But eight weeks into the pandemic, um, when I think it became apparent to um, most folks that business as usual was not coming back at any time soon, then folks started to come back and started to respond to all of those emails from eight weeks before. And um, I found myself like really booked over the summer of 20. And one of the things that I did do, because I started to recognize, you know, early on between the, you know, friends wanting to Zoom and family wanting to Zoom and work Zooms and then educational Zooms for how do you deal with, you know, mediating and arbitrating while um, in a pandemic, 
you know, there was some Zoom fatigue. Um, so what I did do was I did get past that myself and by saying, this is temporary. It may be a year, it may be five years, but it's still temporary. Um, and second, I started to do a lot more pre-mediation work using Zoom. Um, and also pre-arbitration pre work using Zoom. So I started doing all of my preliminary hearings and arbitration and all my pre-arbitration um, hearings and all of that on Zoom so that folks can start to connect. We can see each other. We can start connecting with one another. And, and I think when you see somebody and you're talking to them, it makes for, it makes people feel a little bit more rest assured. Um, so that, that is one of the things that I did to kind of get past the inability to be in the room and have that energy. I've also found that, you know, you have to spend sometimes a little bit more time working with folks, um, in this, you know, in virtual hearings and virtual mediations that you would not normally have to, if you were in person, but that's okay. Um, that's part of adapting to whatever the given situation is. And you, you adapt, either you adapt or you die, right? So I adapted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that you said that you adapt or you die and you are still here. You are still standing. So Jennifer, where does your resilience come from and how do you tap into it? It's funny. Um, I was thinking about it when you had asked me to be on the, on the podcast and I saw that the theme was resilience and I've been thinking about resilience, right? And I think um, where my resilience comes from is I had a really great example of resilience in the form of my mom. So my mom, you know, my mom and dad, and I'll share this, my mom and dad split when I was three. And then when I was 10, my mother moved me to a suburb of New York City that was inhospitable for somebody like me and, and somebody like her. Um, nonetheless, we were there and she decided to go back to school and we trained to be a social worker and she did. And, um, and we had to sort of figure ways to work around the inhospitability of our suburb. And we did, and we prevailed and I prevailed and it gave me opportunities to learn about different people and different things that you didn't really know at 10, that that's really what was happening. But now at my age, I'm able to look back and say, gee, um, that was a tough time in life. And nonetheless, I persevered. I was able to get past it. I was able to learn from it. I was able to grow. So whenever uh, some sort of adversity has hit, I say to myself, okay, this is happening. First, uh, you get to have your pity party for, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes. And then now you have to move on and have to find a way to move past or and move through. And it really is through. Um, most of the time, it, you know, for people say you, you try to work around, you try, you, actually you're going through it. You're just walking through it. And it's like, and I describe this last 18 months as walking through molasses, like, you know, swimming in molasses, because it, there was, there was no good information at any given moment in time about the state of this, this horrendous public health um, pandemic. The information was coming at different times um, from different places. It was, you know, sometimes it was contradictory. Same place gives you different information, you know, within a few weeks. And I started to think about that. And I said, well, it's like we're building the boat and, and, and we're also out to sea. So, of course, the information has to change and I have to be able to adapt to it. 
Um, so that's, you know, basically my resilience comes from, you know, my mom and from the years of being in an inhospitable suburb. Well, I'm sure you learned some things that'll help you navigate any storm, whether it's a surprise pandemic or, you know, challenges of moving from an in-person service to, you know, this new hybrid or virtual for a long time. And I loved hearing you say that you figured out how to navigate that by, you know, more preparation up front and starting to use the technology and introduce it, introduce it earlier um, to kind of help that be the connection of the thread as you were continuing to have hearings, et cetera. And so what is interesting is you talked about tapping into the resilience um, because you had a role model, your mom, who um, you saw be very resilient and also living in a situation that was inhospitable and kind of looking back and taking away the lessons from that experience. What other lessons can, can you share with us today? And specifically, I'm just thinking about, you know, and the word mistake can sometimes be triggering, um, but just, you know, what sort of mistake did you make, if any, that you would like to prevent others from making? So the greatest mistake I can tell you that I made, and this comes from early on as being um, both a lawyer and being a mediator, is thinking that you can do this, you can treat each matter the same way. Right. You can't because each matter comes with different human beings and each one of those human beings comes with whatever their life experience is. And that has so much to bear on how whatever it is, whether it's a mediation, it's litigation, whatever the case, an arbitration or just your your general interaction um, with folks in in your life. You have to meet people where they are and you have to be flexible. So that inflexibility that I had very early on in my career, I'm so thankful now that I'm, I, I've evolved and say, okay, you know, this is happening. Okay, so you don't want to do opening statements. Okay, um, all right, so we won't do opening statements. All right, okay, you want to go straight to caucus. You don't want to give your client an opportunity to tell me all of their unhappiness about what has happened. Okay. Um, all right, so you, you, your client doesn't want to settle now because um, they haven't had their opportunity to tell me their unhappiness. Well, maybe we should let them tell me their, unha your, their unhappiness now, right? But letting things just, you know, organically, I, I know that word is overused, but organically evolve and not be as rigid. Um, that is the one takeaway from like my, if I can give anything to the listener, is to be as flexible and as athletic as you can um, and it doesn't matter if you're a mediator, an arbitrator, just in life. Um, you got to take people that you meet along the way um, from where they are and recognize that they're carrying, you know, some water themselves and that you have to work with that. That is deep, Jennifer. And I love how you're introducing transferable skills, right? Not just to the ADR profession, but from anyone listening from whatever industry they occupy or whether they're thinking about pivoting, just to kind of think about meeting people where they are and recognizing that they're three-dimensional, that that person's three-dimensional. And that I like how you put it, that they may be carrying some water too, right? So that there's more than meets the eye. One of the ways that I like to end, um, and it's, it's, it's apropos, I believe, because you mentioned getting resilience from your mom. Um, my mom is, is definitely a source of my resilience as well. And she used to always say, 
each one teach one. And so I'd love to end our podcast by just thinking about a suggestion of a book, a song, a course, a program, or, or something uh, for our listeners to kind of take away its homework to do following the podcast. So I have two. Um, one is I did a master class during, um, no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a master class. I think I did it through Coursera. Um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, I did it with my brother and his wife and my husband and I did it. We did the science of happiness from Yale. I think that is a very useful class for many people. Um, it dispels uh, the thoughts of this need to be happy all, to, all day, every day, and really um, teaches you how to look um, at yourself and see what is what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy, and how to kind of get to spending more time with those things that make you happy. And then the other thing I would suggest is um, a movie. Um, I just watched it recently. Um, the movie is Worth. Um, and it is the story of Ken Feinberg, um, and who was the, ma the special master for the 9-11 Victims Fund. And it really shows his transformation about how he looked at, you know, hacking up um, a finite amount of money and trying to parse it out to all of these victims and how he had to transform and take a look at himself and recognize that these people are actually people and they're not all the same. And I thought that was a very interesting movie and it was interesting to watch how that, that transformation occurred. Thank you so much. I think those are both great takeaways and you've just given us so many jewels today um, in terms of source of the resilience and so in terms of how to meet a big challenge over the course of the pandemic. And just also, I, I mean, something that you said that I think should also resonate is just being open because you walked in the courtroom as a litigator, not knowing that at some point in the future, you know, a judge who saw you many times would see something in you and introduce, you know, you to this, to other dispute resolution mechanisms in addition to litigation. And so Absolutely. I love that you were open and able to receive that message. I just want to thank you so much for being here today, Jennifer. You're an extraordinary, extraordinary guest. Thank you. It was lovely to be here and lovely to see you today. Oh, likewise. And I'd like to also thank our audience for tuning in. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Breakthrough ADR. That's the at sign, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, capital A, capital D, capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.